Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax. Everything else that's going on, just let it fall by the wayside. Just be reminded that you are exactly where God wants you and that your spirit is one with him, that whatever's going on in your life, it's not about your relationship with God. There may be a really, uh, an issue between your soul and your spirit, but it's not between your spirit and God. So you can rest as you face whatever challenges you're you're struggling with or trying to overcome or even just work through you can rest with the assurance that you have all the eternal life all the kingdom life that you could possibly need in every situation and that the changes that God is making in your soul even though they're going to be times when it's going to be really uncomfortable even painful sometimes. But those changes are for our good. So we've been talking about, you know, uh, learning about the supernatural realm and how our solical abilities work. And from time to time, we've, we've, I've assigned you homework. And some of you have taken it as an assignment, and some have, you know, oh, just, oh, that's interesting, and observed it. And really what we're looking at when we're, when we're talking about homework, the, the concept behind it is to be very objective about learning new things when we look at God, when we are investigating how he works, how he operates, how our soul works, how our soul operates. But we don't just want to learn about him. We want to experience and partake. You know, we're yoked together with Christ. Our soul is yoked with our spirit. We, we work with him. We wait with him. We, we are part of our circumstances. We, they don't just happen to us. Now, on the other hand, this is, we've talked about this too, there's two sides to the soul coin. There's the side that God is changing our soul. He is restoring your soul. He's he, renewing your mind He's bringing your behaviors into alignment with who your soul was created to be, that great gift of your soul. And bringing your emotions and your creativity and your desires all into oneness as the soul that God gave you as a gift to be reunited with your spirit. That's all his job. Our job, what we are participating in, is growing into the fullness of God, of what God created us to be here on this earth. 
spirit, soul, and body. To live is one. To live and move and have our being. Not to fix our soul, but to live as a complete being here on this earth. So our purpose is not to fix ourselves, but to kind of act and learn to live as we are being fixed, as we are being restored and healed and conformed into his image and likeness. And part of that is, the you know, we, I don't know how, you know, time and time again we talk about spending time with God and what that does. That gives him that uninterrupted time where we are training our soul simply by being available, patient, waiting. We cooperate with what God is doing to restore our soul. And in that process, we are teaching our soul to develop that habit of turning to God first. And this seems to be a real challenge for most, well, many at least, Christians in Western civilizations. We've got this idea about what our Christianity is supposed to look like here on this earth. And if we just do that, then we're a good Christian. And, you know, for instance, there are how many people who who hide great secrets about their lives, about how they're living their lives. Maybe they have a, a gambling addiction or they're doing drugs, or they're cheating on their spouse. And yet they would consider themselves a great Christian, you know, one worthy of emulating. And maybe they're the pastor, or they lead the women's group, or what, whatever. They have the, a ministry, an international ministry. And yet they have these secrets that they are keeping because it doesn't line up with what they think is this is what a great Christian is. And what we find out is so much of this is about our behavior and not our being, who we are as a being. And the more time we spend with God, and, and practically speaking, he starts to swallow up more and more of our time, our awareness. And even as we start every one of these podcasts with reminding ourselves that our challenge is not between us and him. You know, he knows every secret. Your spirit knows every secret. He knew everything, and your spirit, who you truly are, knew everything before you even came onto this earth plane in whatever shape, form, and time you did. There's no shadow of turning. There's no question. God knew absolutely everything. And he and you decided that whatever you're experiencing in your life was what was best for you. And yet what does our soul continue to, to try to do? Is, is creates its own idol, the self, 
you know, our, our self-perception, our self-strength, self-direction, self-control. And God knows that because that's part of the attributes that God gave our soul was that desire for control, for uh, affection, for self-determination, all these things, those are the qualities that God gave your soul. But they only work perfectly the way God intended when our soul is reunited with our spirit. When it's not, it does whatever it wants, and it creates havoc. And that's what so many of us have experienced you know, some can even call it, you know, my life has been chaotic. You know, I can't, you know, any decision I make turns out bad. You know, um, I, you know, finally join a company that I've always wanted to work for and they go out of business. Or I'm, you know, met the person of my dreams and I found out that they were already married. You know, things like that. We go, okay, why does this happen? keep on happening to me? Well, it's because you need it. Something else, something greater is going on. And what that something is, is you. God values you, who you truly are, more than your circumstances. You are more important than what it looks like to be a good Christian. So we talk about going beyond our own expectations, our own doctrines, and our own behaviors. And practically speaking, we have to be willing to release our doctrines, release our beliefs, release the things we turn to first. I kind of, you know, I always go to, you know, whatever your vision of, you know, the great by and by, after you die and go to heaven, you know, if, if St. Peter's at the pearly gates and you walk up and he's looking through the books for your name, and then you, you, you know, you get through and you're in heaven and you look for Jesus, and how many of us expect him to have a Bible in his hand? But that's what's going to happen in heaven is God's going to, Jesus is going to explain the Bible to us it does need explaining I mean there's a reason there's so many denominations so many translations because it's not all that clear it it served a purpose but that purpose we put we defined what that purpose was that purpose is to point us to God you know, the whole, you know, when, when you're training a dog to, you know, go fetch and you point something and all the dog does is stare at the end of the finger. You know, so you go and you grab the ball and you throw it again. You go, go, go fetch, and you point at it, and the dog just stares at the end of the finger. Well, that's what we do with the lessons that God is teaching us. We focus on the end of his finger rather than know beyond because we are to grow up into all things. We are to, 
We are co-inheritors with Christ. We are joint heirs with him. Now, Jesus was the son of God, you know, the God incarnate here on this earth. When he came here, when he was born, he did not have the same problems we do. He did not have a self-life. His soul was always attached to his spirit. Now, I have some questions about that. And and bear with me. So I, I'm of the belief that in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were roaming forever, however, whether it was five years or 50 million years, they were roaming around in, in the Garden with God, and they all communed with one another by the Spirit. And you couldn't tell where one began and the other ended because their spirit was on the outside. Their spirit was so unencumbered, unhindered by their body or their soul that they were fully spirit with a soul in a body for here on this earth. So they communed, Adam and Eve communed with each other by the spirit. They each communed with God by the Spirit. They didn't see each other's soul, and they didn't see each other's body. That's why, you know, when they, you know, when they um, were lowered by God, they all of a sudden saw that, he, that they were naked. They'd never seen their bodies before because the Spirit was overwhelming them. And I can see how there's different occurrences, different situations that show up in different parts of the scripture that, to me, reinforce it. So once they were separated from God, that, that power, that, that spirit was no longer there to give them the life to fulfill and meet their needs. And so they were kicked out of the garden, and they had to start living as a soul with a body but with no spirit, with no eternal life, with no permanent, no eternal connection with God. So they had to get their needs met their own way. And of course they couldn't on their own. Then there's different examples of, you know, I think of, of when Abraham and Moses and these different you know, great prophets, great uh, representatives, great people we we venerate in the different scriptures. Their experiences were with knowing God, the variety that's there, um, and and the, and the personal experiences each one of them had. Whatever their experience was. God met them there. You know, Abraham was sitting, you know, with his back up against a tree, just, you know, thinking about God and his life, his, God's life, how, how he does things, his creation, what he, you know, wants from his people, what he wants from this earth. And he was, had a visitation. 
Moses, when he was called up to the mountain, and he came down, and he was glowing, and it scared the people. They'd never see that. It was like, oh, he's an alien. He's a ghost. What is he? But being in the presence of God, for a brief moment, because it could not be sustained, it was, again, spirit flowing through soul and body unhindered. So there's a capacity for our soul to receive the light of eternal life into our soul and into our body. Now, my question is, is, and I don't have an answer, but my question is, so Jesus is walking around here on this earth, and he is fully God, fully connected to Father. He has all the eternal life. He is the kingdom. He is God. Why did he not glow? Why was there not a constant light flowing through him now there are times you know the mount of transfiguration and and there were times when it happened but was he was jesus restricting that light you know what's that no man shall see god and live and the example of the prophet sitting there and and god said you know i'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and put my hand over you because you can't see me you can only see my hinder parts And yet here was God, God incarnate as Jesus in this body. Why why could we look upon him? And it's just simply a practical question. I accept that there's an explanation. I accept that it's a question that can be answered. And my point being that This is how God leads us. He gives us questions. He gives us desires. He gives us something that we're interested in. And he draws us. And so often we are so consumed with being a good little Christian that we miss out on opportunities because they're so unusual or they're not, we don't have an easy answer, a quick response, we don't understand something, and so we, you know, put it off, you know, we put it off till, you know, someday I'll know. Someday we'll sit around with God and, he'll, and, and Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, however you want to imagine sitting in you know on the thrones or in the house or whatever on the golden golden streets and ask him how how come this happened how come that happened what what does this mean but my question is why do we delay that why are we putting it off if you have questions if you have challenges Ask them now. That doesn't mean you're going to get the answer. doesn't mean you're going to get the answer you want. 
you know, Paul had an, had an issue, whether it was a physical thorn, a physical you know, affliction, or an emotional thing, or somebody was bothering, bothering him all the heck. He kept on asking, God, well, why can't you take this away? And God finally said, you know, no, I'm not taking it away. My, my strength is, is sufficient for you, my grace. I'm ask, going to ask you to bear, bear with this. But you know what? Paul didn't give up until he had an answer. And it's not like he was insistent. You know, we have other examples in, in Habakkuk and other examples. You know, God, why, why do evil men prosper? And the answer is, you know, that's up to me. I decide. I decide everything. You know, you're you're not my, God says, you're not my judge. You know, I created everything. I'm not accountable to you. And he's not. He's not accountable to us. And when we start to realize that so many of the beliefs we hold, we have come up with them to fill the answers of questions that we are too impatient to wait for God to answer. Like, why did such and such happen? Why am I alive today? How come, you know, God, how come you put me in this family? How come I was born in this country? You know, whatever your personal issues are, whatever your personal challenges are, and hopefully we always come back to thank you that you put me here on this earth today and thank you for that you gave me this family because it's working the work that you have chosen that I have agreed to but that it also brings up questions practical questions how does it work and this is how we prepare for the separation of life of our soul from ourself there's there's a dropping off or an uh when over time your soul will no longer need yourself it's not about self-destruction but you just won't need it anymore and god has done his work by drawing your soul to your spirit and your soul, your, yourself, your flesh just falls away. Now, there may be weeping and gnashing of teeth, but we've already partaken. We've already had a taste of the kingdom, of what it's like to be with, with our spirit in God. The, the joy, the freedom the absolute experience of eternal life, of eternal joy, of the ecstasy of being in him that's available on his timetable. You know, most of us, I think that if God really poured out his presence into us, we would be so unready for it that we would misinterpret it, we would misuse it, and it's like 
he does not he's a wise god he's smart he doesn't put a double-edged sword in a baby's hand you you know you don't to not put their hand on a hot stove you know hopefully we know not to stick a fork in the, the electric socket there's things we learn not to do and so many of us have have abdicated that learning process to those around us or to those in a, we have placed in authority or allowed to place be placed in authority over us when god himself is the only authority over you there's only one shepherd And he is jealous over us. The more we, for ourselves, you know, as you start to experience God teaching you and revealing things to you on a moment-by-moment basis, on a day-to-day basis, there's a drawing there that cannot be compared to a typical way of learning something. For the most part, most of us can take the Bible, whatever version you want, and if I want, you know, I'll bet if I gave you an assignment, you could develop your own doctrine about anything, about heaven, hell, about healing, about how the world is going to end, about aliens. You could come up with something. Because yourself wants to. Yourself, not your soul, yourself is not stupid. And yourself self wants control, wants order. So it's going to depend on, for instance, what version of the Bible you have. The history of your parent taught you. Who you're hanging out with now, your own temperament. What makes you feel good? What draws you now? But as God restores your soul, those things are going to become less and less important because you're going to be more and more experiencing him. So again, as we, we talk about homework, it's not just about knowledge. It's not even just about learning. It's experiencing God as we have encounters with him it's a drawing for more all ye that are thirsty come to me it's not just for salvation it's for him where does that thirst come from it's from God you know, if you're not thirsty, I don't care, you know, how much water I try to give you. If you're not thirsty, you're not going to drink. So God puts us in situations where we're thirsty. Then that's a wide variety of different kinds of applications. It can be regarding, you know, religious things, you know, God things. It could also be 
you know, your your home life, your work life, your community, that he puts us in situations where he can draw us. And as we are gain perspective on this is why this is happening, and this is how valuable his drawing is, he leads us on his paths of righteousness, and he reveals on his path in his time. And it's not so we can teach others, even though that's very often helpful to us. But as we approach these homework assignments, and, and if you want to go back and look at some of the ones that, that you've written down, the purpose is not to just do the homework assignment. It's, it's a starting off point. It's like this is where your journey begins. Because the purpose of the homework is to give you a focus, a, a, you know, as you lift up your, hand, your, your foot to take the next step, guide, God himself guides it as you lower it. And you may be thinking, okay, I'm going down this path and it goes up to, into a valley that's got, you know, a meadow of flowers and, and songbirds and it's, you know, I can see sheep in the background and it's just a lovely trip. And then all of a sudden you see the path that he's leading you on. It's taking you into a dark cave through the mountain. But as long as we just keep lifting one foot and let him guide it down and be willing to let go of what we think we know and how we think we know it, the standards that we have come up with, the truth will stand the light of day. But we don't cling to anything but God as the rock, as the way, the truth, and the life. There's no God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, and God, the Bible? No. If God wanted a book, he would have written it himself. This is not to be anti-Bible because it's helpful and valuable, but we... And it's not just the Bible. It's our own beliefs. We desire to structure our belief system to benefit us. So I want to say thank you for, for everybody who is writing in. And um, uh, I hope you're enjoying the books. We've got the Prinzing books out at, in Amazon. And we're looking to put more available on a wider venue but um always i appreciate hearing from everybody so we will be getting back together again the same time next week drop me a line at diane at the rangers org. in the meantime otherwise thanks for tuning in this has been diane thomas of rangers radio have a great night <laughs>